You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 86. Hey friends, it's JC here. We are jumping into another powerful testimony today. I hope you have been blessed by them as we've been working our way through this Testify series. This episode is the second to last one before we wrap up the series on November 9th, and it really has been a wild ride. As always, if you've been encouraged by the podcast, please take a minute to rate and leave a five-star review in iTunes to help boost exposure and spread the love. If you do happen to leave a positive review, I have a fun incentive just for you. DM me a screenshot of that review to Hello Awesome Ministries on Instagram, and you will be given a free digital devotional of your choice. This could be the digital version of my new book, Give It to God Girl, or one of the $5 devotionals like Get the Fire Back, which is all about reigniting the flame for devotion. You will get to choose from anything that I have available in the shop right now. So it's worth leaving a positive review in iTunes and sending that screenshot to my DMs so you can get a little gift as a thank you. All right, friends, today my very special guest has been requested multiple times and for good reason. Patience Collins has a growing modest fashion Instagram account where she shares super cute looks and give practical life tips. What a lot of people don't know is the dark past that Patience was brought out of. And in this episode, she will publicly share her story with us for the first time. We discuss the horror that is child abuse and trafficking, being real about mental health, and there's a message for us as a church as to how to properly love children or anyone really who comes into the church with a heavy load of trauma. I admire Patience for her bravery, speaking out about the hard topics that we cover here, and using her voice to help others come out of the darkness and into God's marvelous, merciful light. Here we go, guys. This is episode number 86 that I am calling The Power of Mercy with Patience Collins. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. Just a quick note about this new series called Testify. It does contain adult content and will not be suitable for young children. So if you have young children around, I suggest that you listen to this on some headphones, on some earbuds, so that their little ears can stay pure and can stay innocent. Thank you for understanding. The seasons might be changing, but our amazing sponsors are sticking around to bring some deals exclusively to Hello Awesome listeners. Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style and comfort. I love the durable materials they use and all the fun patterns to choose from. Use the 10% off code HelloAwesome10 during checkout at Nuggles.us to snag your new favorite fall outfit right now. If you're looking for super cute scrunchies that'll last in your hair all day, and yes, even long hair to your knees like mine, look no further than Sovita. I use them every day. Use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your order right now at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A.com. Get that hair off your neck and into a cute top knot with one of their scrunchies right now as you go grab that pumpkin spice latte this fall. Blue Thistle Taylor has timeless dresses, skirts, and handbags. Mandy truly has classic modest pieces that you will love for years to come. Just use our special code HelloAwesome for 20% off your order on BlueThistleTailor.com. That's B-L-U-E-T-H-I-S-T-L-E-T-A-I-L-L-U-E-R.com. Answer me this. Are you ready to switch out your toxic bath and body products for a better option? Rachel over at Oneness Essentials can hook you up. She makes handmade soap, body butter, and lotion that not only look and smell amazing, 
but they're great for sensitive skin. Use code HelloAwesome for 15% off your order when you shop at onenesssoapbiz.com. Nestled in a lovely brick and mortar store in Starks, Louisiana, Dress Like an Angel represents the beauty of modesty through their stunning dresses, skirts, extenders, layer tops, and more. They even carry items for young girls, like their best-selling lace tights. Use our exclusive discount code HelloAwesome for 10% off your order at dresslikeanangel.com. A special thank you to all my sponsors who want to bless Hello Awesome listeners. I appreciate you and thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Okay, I forgot one more thing. Have you been blessed by the ministry of Hello Awesome on Instagram and here on the podcast? Consider becoming part of our exclusive membership program on Patreon. When you sign up today, you will unlock access to over 10 posts featuring devotional downloads, ebook and audiobook files from my new book, Give It to God Girl, printable modest fashion coloring pages, and the latest episodes of my brand new mini podcast series, The Real 15, which is only available to members. I post a new episode every week and will continue bringing special access to some really awesome content. Think of it like a secret club, and this is your invitation. Tap the link in the description of this episode or go to patreon.com backslash helloawesome. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash helloawesome to become a member and start enjoying your full all-access pass today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to bring you another guest here on the Testify series. I've been talking with my good friend, Patience Collins. I've met her on Instagram and we've been chatting back and forth about just what God has done in her life. And I'm so excited that she has a willing heart right now to share it with you today. Patience, welcome to the podcast. Can you please just take a moment to share who you are, what you do and where people might know you from? Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Patience Collins, and those of you that don't know me from Instagram probably know me from church. Um, I attend New Life Church in Birmingham, Alabama. So I'm happily married to my husband, Joshua Collins, and I am a mother of two now. And I have a fur baby named Wilson. I love to create content on Instagram that is inspirational and encouraging for women to live for God. And I also love modest fashion. So you'll see a little bit of that on my account as well. Yeah. And I have been following you for a while and I love when you talk about life and you share just little glimpses of your husband and your family and your kids. And I think they're just so beautiful and when we were talking about your testimony, I, my mind was blown because I would have never known. And I think that's one of the biggest things. A big takeaway in this testimony series is just by looking at somebody who they are right now, you never know what God has done in their life, right? Yeah, and I've definitely, um, I've never shared this testimony in full with anyone except my husband and um, recently you. I really feel like God has been leading me to do that lately, but even when I've shared small pieces, um, people are even shocked that I didn't grow up in church or that I even have a little bit of history that might not be that great. So I've definitely heard that before, and I agree with that. Sometimes we just look at people's lives and we have no idea how far they've come. Mm -hmm. So let's start from the beginning, since that's going to set the stage for us about your story. Can you please walk us through what your life was like early on in childhood? So as I said before, I did not grow up in church. My mother has schizophrenia. It's very severe and she is um, addicted to drugs, um, very hard, strong drugs. My brother is a drug addict as well. And every single person in our family has mental illness on both sides, and um, the majority of them have drug addiction as well. So growing up with 
a mother that had um, severe schizophrenia. And I say severe as far as she was having a lot of active hallucinations and verbally discussing what she was seeing um, all of the time. Mm -hmm. And having her also be a drug addict, I saw a lot of extreme things that um, no child should ever see or even have knowledge of on a daily basis. Yeah. So some examples of that would be a large part of her hallucinations were that she saw people that were trying to harm us. Um, and there's a lot more details. It was very vivid and very specific. And she would constantly cry because no one believed her except me. And so as a child, I was really esteemed and honored for being the only one that believed um, what she was seeing was real. I remember running through the woods at night with flashlights, hunting for the people, yelling at them, trying to scare them off. And she would stop and cry and say, please just leave our family alone. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of times that we were in our home and she would start to yell. And I mean, just it was a really outrageous. It might sound exaggerated, but it was not. She would begin to scream and run around the home and say, they're coming again. And um, she would say that they were up underneath our home looking at us through the vents. Um, we could only change clothes in areas of the home where there were no vents on the floor. And there was just a lot of paranoia, um, extreme paranoia. Um, there were times when I saw my mother beating her head against a wall until it was absolutely bloody. And there were a lot of times when I had to help her come down from these hallucinations and stop trying to harm herself and take all the sharp objects in the house and comfort her as though she were a child. Because a lot of times when she would um, go into that state, when she was coming down from that experience, she would be so terrified that she would curl up into the fetal position and cry. And I would have to comfort her as a child. The roles were really reversed in our relationship. It was as though I was the parent and she was the child in many ways. And another one of those ways was with the drug addiction. Um, I had to save her life many times from drowning in the bathtub. Um, whenever, and this might sound strange, but whenever she would eat um, some, a substance that was like a liquid, like a soup or a cereal, I would have to keep a really close eye on her because there were multiple times when I would hear her gurgling and I would come into the room and realize she was drowning in her cereal. The times that she was awake, she was hallucinating, but besides that, she was asleep as far as never alert. She was very depressed. The blinds were always drawn. She was in her room and I would have to bring her food. I would have to serve her, tuck her in and just try to help get her out of the depression. I would encourage her and try to say things that would make her happy. And I got ready for school on my own. I caught the bus on my own. Many, many years, she had to go and talk to the principal and let them know why I was absent so many days and she always created a story and they always let me go on to the next grade even though I had gotten way over the amount of absences to have to repeat the grade but the real reason I was absent so much is because I just couldn't get myself to school some days I didn't want to go because of that I developed a will and um, a maturity to be able to do things and I was living in a world where I was basically an adult. Um, and before that, in my infancy and in my earlier like toddler and baby years, I was what has been referred to now to me <laughs> recently as a crib baby. And what that is, is basically a baby that's left in their crib all day long to cry. And I have memories of being in the crib and screaming for her until my voice was raw trying to get out. There were a lot of nights, as I'm told by a lot of relatives, that she would go off into the middle of the night to get drugs and would leave me there by myself. You know, she would be gone sometimes for days. And I don't have a whole lot of memories of that, but a lot of these things were seen by others. The drug deals were just really wild. She was just a really wild lady. There were times whenever she didn't have the money to give the dealer. And so she would wrap up my Monopoly money in a $20 bill so during a drug deal, 
a lot of times they'll have like a person stand in front of the car or a person on a bicycle park in front of the car so that they can check to make sure all of the money's there before they ride off. And my mother would run over those people because she didn't have the money. She was, she was hiding monopoly money in a $10 bill in a rubber band. And so I saw Mm -hmm. a lot of really extreme things as a child very early on. One of the things that was probably the most traumatizing to me, believe it or not, was the amount of horror movies that I saw from the time I was born, probably. I don't know what age it even was. I just have seen horror movies my entire life. Some of the things that I saw in these adult horror movies would haunt me. Literally, um, I couldn't sleep night after night. I would be frozen and paralyzed with fear. There were a lot of, you know, sexual acts in these horror movies that were just in ways that no one, especially a child, should ever see. And um, things like that really twisted and warped my mind early on to be, I lived in a state of fear all the time between my mother and between her addiction to horror movies because she believed in these movies, she would be able to discover some secrets about the paranormal that would help us with whatever she believed was going on in her hallucinations. Um, We would oftentimes, um, oftentimes hunt for ghosts and things like that, that were just very horrifying. And this is when I was three, four, five years old, up until I moved out of the house at age 11. And so um, because of the nature of her wild lifestyle and the drug addiction, she had a lot of people in and out of the house. Um, She had a lot of men in and out of the house. You know, when we say the word prostitute, we think of someone that you drive by and someone standing on a corner dressed in a really obvious manner. And, you know, we think of it one way, but Mm -hmm. the way that I saw it was just in my own home, Um, her exchanging things for substances or money or even food sometimes with a, a lot of different men. And I knew exactly what was going on from a very early age. And so that's something that she always did. She was a stripper at one point um, early on as well. And so there was a lot of promiscuity in my home early on. There was never any innocence. I never had a chance to be an innocent child. And there was nothing like that. You know, a lot of these men were prison inmates previously, and they were just really rough characters. And there was one of them that she brought around a lot. He was her boyfriend. i I'm not exactly sure how long he lived with us, but up until recently, I um, thought that he was married to her. Recently, I mentioned him being her ex-husband, and she was like, oh, we never got married. But in my mind as a child, I thought they were because he lived with us for probably around two years. And she said it would be very embarrassing that every year, everyone in our neighborhood would get the little card in the mail that they give you to make you aware that there is a pedophile in the area. He was also imprisoned for seven years for a first degree acts to a minor in a park that he was caught in the act. It was out in the open. And so he was a very violent person and he lived in the home with us for a very long time. And When we think about child pornography, that's another one of those things that we think of in a certain way. You know, we think of it as being on the internet or in a magazine or something like that. But the child pornography that happened to me that I was involved in was also in the home. I was taught to pose and I was in photos with him and the photos were taken by my mother and they were shared with others. They were even sent to previous boyfriends or whatever they were while they were in prison. And she actually got caught because she was sending them to someone in prison. And one of the wardens there or whatever they are, someone saw the child pornography and it became a very large case that actually even ended up on the news. But because of our court system here in Alabama, my mother was able to temporarily pass a drug test and do just enough to get by to convince the judge that she needed to have me, that I needed to be in her care. And there was really no one else to take me at the time. And so I continued to live with my mother after that and was involved in things like that for 
many years as well. And sometimes when you walk through life in my childhood and in my adolescence and even in living for God, there was so much anxiety, depression, and mental health issues that sometimes when you walk, they say, take it day by day. But sometimes it's just second by second and minute by minute for some of us to be able to just live and to be able to get through. Um, I've been hospitalized for multiple suicide attempts and, you know, had my stomach pumped and been resuscitated from drowning, self-inflicted multiple times throughout my life, especially in my adolescence. So for me, walking the road of anxiety and depression was a minute by minute thing. There were a lot of years where there were no good days and that's not the case now. But I say that to illustrate how thankful I am for my life now. But also, um, like you said in the beginning, JC, you never really know when someone comes into church, you know, they might not get it right as quickly as we would like them to, Mm -hmm. but you never really know exactly what they're going through or what they've had to battle. And I remember as a child, one of the ways to relieve myself of the anxiety and the depression and just the fear and hopelessness that I was so accustomed to was to use my imagination. And I would imagine myself in a better life. I would imagine myself having a future with a husband. And I had a pretty well-developed relationship with God. I would talk to him very often and I felt him there with me and I felt him holding me. And that was the only reason I had hope was because of God and because of my imagination. And because of the nature of the extreme neglect and trauma in my life and the repeated sexual abuse, my mind subconsciously developed a way of protecting itself that is very rare. And in therapy, I've discovered these things. And so it's very rare. And so it's kind of sad because there has to be a really extreme nature of repetitive abuse for the mind to process things the way that mind does, you know, according to psychology and my therapist anyway. So it's sad in one way. But in another way, the way that I'm able to think is um, very outside of the box, very creative. And I really do feel like the way my mind developed to protect myself and to imagine a future for myself has given me the drive to pursue my dreams and to pursue a future that I've wanted. And I hear people say that have come from a long way and that have had a long journey. I hear them say things like, I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be here. And I think that statement Mm -hmm. is so powerful and it's so amazing. Mm -hmm. But to be completely honest, when I think of myself and where I am now, I always thought I would be here because I had just this extreme capacity for imagination because of my childhood. And, um, the way that I see myself and the vision for my future. I know that I'm going to get where I want to be in my relationship with God, my family, in my future financial success. I know that I have the ability to accomplish those things. So my childhood and my negative mental health has been a curse for a long time, but it has also been a blessing as well. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I've I've seen happen over and over is just back to that scripture of God working everything out for our good and it really is evident in your life and what he's brought you through and there has been many times that it seems like the enemy won and that he got a hold of you and even your life and was trying to get you to go down the same road but luckily God had his hand on you and he was watching over you and I'm so thankful for that yes I am too so was it evident to you back then as a child that mental health was important so as far as 
it being important, I didn't have any frame of reference that my situation was abnormal, except what I would see on television. You know, you had um, sitcoms that the family system seemed to be in order and things like that. And I was under the impression that that was just on television. The first time that I realized that that was actually a reality for some people was whenever um, my pastor took me in as an 11 year old child, I saw him and his family and it was just, it was so hard for me to believe that, wow, this really does exist. I was very suspicious at first, Mm -hmm. but I knew that mental health was important as a child in the way that I would try to comfort my mother because I knew that when she was happy, she didn't hurt herself or she didn't hurt me. But I really didn't have the framing to know just how important it was until I was older and I began to try to take care of my own mental health. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. And another reason why I think we have to be really careful with people who are coming into the church because they're coming into a different atmosphere with their own realities with what they think is right. And we have to be patient and loving towards them because not everything's going to change overnight. Things take time and you have to learn a new reality. You have to learn God's ways. And basically it's like we have to, when we come into the church, we have to be kind of deprogrammed if that's the right word to say. So I'd love for you to just share about how you started going to church. How did that happen for you? And how did you start learning more about the Lord and what he wanted for your life? So I had a friend, I was living in an apartment complex with my mom at the time. And I had a friend that was my age. We went to school together and he introduced me to his sister and she was a lot older than me. And I remember her always talking about let's go to church together. Would you want to come to my church? And do you have any skirts? And she would say things like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come. But at the time she was um, not living for God at all. And so it never manifested. So as I got older, I started to go to a denominational church with another friend and I had a repentance experience that was very powerful. I began to develop a relationship with God and I was so hungry for more and I was so excited about it that I decided to get in touch with that old friend that used to invite me to church and I wanted to witness to her and I wanted her to come to my church and I got in touch with her and she, she said, sure, I'll come to your church if you come to mine first. And I was like, of course, Absolutely the church that she belonged to at that time, she was living for God again. Thankfully, it was an apostolic church, the church that I still attend today, New Life. And I think I was around 12 years old at that time. And I got the Holy Ghost during the first service and was baptized in Jesus name. That's amazing. And I love how you still had that uh, imagination, that positivity about you that you want to reach out to her to witness to her. (laughs) Right, And I love that. that. But that goes to show what you were talking about earlier is your mindset was totally different. You had this imagination that actually helped you in a way to just kind of see a more positive outlook, to see things in a different way, and to be really mature at your age, to, to have that in your mind that you wanted to actually reach out to her to help her. But then God helped you in the process. Right. It's really awesome. So I did want to talk about, because we both have had some different experiences as children, being exposed to things that just were not innocent. And I want to know your personal opinion, just based on your experience and your knowledge and looking back, how do you think the church right now can help children who have been impacted by sexual abuse? Okay, so something I've realized, I've been coming to church for around eight or nine years now, and It was a revelation to me the first time that I heard my pastor talk about being able to change your own circumstances, because the way I grew up, we were victims of every circumstance. You know, people Mm -hmm. that had any modicum of happiness or success were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and it was just all this game of luck. But my pastor illustrated 
that you could change your circumstance and you could change the trajectory of your life. And that was very powerful for me. And so as soon as I knew that, I started to dive into self-help books. I started to dive into all these ways that I could change. And I'm still like addicted to self-help books today. I absolutely love anything regarding growth or development or actualization. I still am very passionate about that because of him. But there was a lot that he preached as far as things regarding anxiety and depression, ways to overcome depression, ways to overcome anxiety, because anxiety at its core is fear of the future. And depression at its core is, you know, kind of a focus on the past. And so there are a lot of things and there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible of ways that you should never fear for the future. And we can recite those and that can help us with the anxiety. And there are things in the Bible about not being focused on the past and being focused on the future. The Bible says to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, which is like a depression. And so I heard those things and I was like, wow, I can change my depression. I can change my anxiety. And so I began to work very, very hard for years and years and years to overcome my depression and my anxiety. And I would praise and I would speak things as though they were, and I would focus on the future and I would try to not have any stress because the Bible says to cast all your cares upon him. And I would pray the prayers and I would do all of these things, but there was still things that I could not overcome. And I would compare myself to you know, the other girls and the ladies at church that they grew up in church and their life was just much different than mine. And I didn't see them having the severity of depression that I had or the severity of anxiety. Even while I was going to church, I've been hospitalized multiple times for panic attacks and even a couple of suicide attempts. And so it's like, you have the Holy Ghost, you have all of these options as far as development and growth and actualizing your potential. Our church is an amazing resource for people that want to live for God and they want to actualize and have success living for God and relationships in their life. And I would look at my life and I would say, since I've been living for God, there's a long trail of relationships that I've destroyed. There's a long trail of depression and anxiety and hospitalizations and panic. And yes, there are a lot of positive things about my life. My little boy doesn't even know any of those things ever happened. He doesn't have the slightest clue that I've ever felt depressed. So the teaching helped me behave in a way that my child wasn't exposed to it. I could function at fellowships and at church. No one could really see it And the behaviors did help me feel happy and they did help me feel relief temporarily because Mm -hmm. I was doing all the things the pastor said and the word of God said to relieve those things. But until I decided to go into the dark places, into the repressed memories of the trauma in my mind with a therapist, with a licensed professional, I was not able to overcome certain negative things that were still going on in my life, despite me living for God and trying way harder than someone else that grew up in church might have to, as far as overcoming depression and things like that. So I feel like I'm trying my best. I'm trying so, so hard. And I'm still having all of these ideations and this severe depression and anxiety. And I'm still so different than everybody else I see at church around me. And I still do not fit in. I'm still messing up the relationships. I'm still saying the wrong things. I'm still manifesting the negative behaviors, no matter how hard I work. Well, that was because there were things that my mind, like I said previously, had protected me from and had repressed and compartmentalized that I didn't, I was not even aware happened to me. And I had to go into those places in my mind. So one of the things that I want everyone to know is that when it comes to trauma and childhood abuse and neglect, repressing your negative thoughts and feelings, traumatic history, and living in a false reality can only make it worse. 
So I always compared my life to others around me. I would ask why I went through this. Why didn't I grow up in church? Why is my life different? But I also thought, surely my life is going to make a huge difference in the world someday because of what I went through. I would hold on to that hope. But once I acknowledged my pain and let God into those secret places of my life and I allowed myself to dream, even if my dreams were different, you know, it's never been my dream to marry a preacher. It's not my dream to sing solos in the choir or teach Sunday school, even though I value those things so, so much. But God gave me a life that was very different than the people I see at church around me and very different than a lot of people because he intended my ministry to look very different from theirs. So trying to fit what God wants me to do into a box that's already been created and framed by the church has been very difficult. And you can call on God, but you have to remember that God lives within you. So at some point, you've got to call on that something that's inside of you. He won't do it for you. If he can make a way out of no way and you have the Holy Ghost, then he has given you that same power. And that means that you can make a way out of no way as well. Because he's not going to do it without your participation. He's not going to do it while you hunker down and cower in fear. You have to be willing to look at your fears and your pain in the face. And for me, at least, that was both the scariest and the most healing thing that I have ever done. So I would say to the church, the future revival that's coming is going to look like exactly what the church is supposed to look like, a huge dysfunctional mess. Because the further we get away from the original church and the further our country gets away from the values of God, the more fatherless children, the more abuse, the more pain, the more family dysfunction there's going to be. And guess what? That's the future church right there. Those are the people that he died for. He died for all of us. And so being merciful and not putting a time frame on people. Well, you know, they've been here for two years and they're still struggling with holiness standards. That's just, you got to get over that. You know, that person might be struggling with things on the inside that are far greater to deal with than what's on the outside. Mm -hmm. Or that person's relationships and behaviors might be dysfunctional for the rest of their life. That might be something that never goes away. It might be that for the rest of my life, when my husband says something to me, I look at it in the frame of the person that abused me in my past. That might not ever go away. So I might get hurt easier or I might, you know, go and be a recluse at times when other people are like, what is going on with her? What's wrong with her? So just having an open mind, knowing that this is what God wants. God wants the dysfunctional people and having a lot of mercy and giving people as much of a growth curve as God would, would be the advice that I would give to the church for the revival that's coming. Yes, absolutely. And I really love how you worded that because I think you were speaking very well and um, how you interpreted uh, what you wanted to say was amazing. I think, and we've talked about this before, before we started recording the podcast a while back, but you know, this nation right now needs a lot of help. And the things that people are going through right now in this country alone are going to be things that we, the church are going to have to try and navigate through as well. And we are going to be very uncomfortable with what people are going to be doing with what people are going to be saying, because they don't know how to act. They are learning God. And so we have to be patient and we have to be loving and we have to understand that like patience was saying that the revival that's coming is going to be messy because we are messier people now. At some point we have to be like, well, you know what? My child did learn something new in Sunday school today that I wouldn't have taught him for a few years, but thank God that little boy is sitting on the pew. You know, we're right. going to have to just say, you know what, God, this church these people, my children, my teenager is in your hands. And whatever they're exposed to, if they're exposed to it at the church, then it's better than them being exposed to it out in the world 
right. of their own accord, making their own bad decisions. And so, yeah, it's going to cause some friction and it's not going to be pretty and it's not always going to be smooth, but that's the kind of people that God sat with, you know, when he was on earth, those are the kind of people that he reached out to. And so as the church, we have to be the church and we just have to continue to love and give mercy no matter what. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's going to be under the umbrella of teaching and refining and our children will learn things, but it'll be under, like you said, like in the church where the Sunday school teachers and, you know, the pastor and those who are put into those positions, leadership positions can actually, you know, um, take care of it the right way. Hopefully the way God wants it to be addressed and, I really do think these are conversations that we do need to start having. And that kind of goes into my next question, because I wanted to know, looking at the current state of our nation right now, what red flags can we look for regarding child sex trafficking and abuse? So I would say it might not be what you think it's going to look like. We see, you know, I saw a video the other day that went viral on Facebook and it was basically just a kidnapping or an attempted kidnapping in a public place at a restaurant, you know, and um, only God knows what the intention was there. And thankfully the little girl was saved, but I think we have it framed one way in our mind. Like, you know, um, trafficking is going to be somebody just run up out of nowhere and grab your child and put them in a white van. And, you know, they're going to be taken to another country. That's not the case. The rings are in, every city they're in very small neighborhoods very backwoods neighborhoods mm -hmm. and areas that nobody would ever suspect and child pornography although yes it is one thing on the internet and in magazines and being shared through um, people sending messages and emails on phones it is that there's a lot of that a lot more than we realize but it's another thing as well in the homes so if there's a child in a situation that's showing any signs of abuse, neglect, especially if they're showing signs of any sexual abuse, that's something that should send off a red flag. Like what could be happening? Because like we said earlier, the more sin that is in the nation, the more sin that is in the home, the more sin that is in the family system. And so there's going to be things that are happening in the homes that are very different and very twisted and unusual. And so as a church and as a nation, we've got to keep our eyes open that, hey, you know, 50 years ago, this wasn't happening as much, but today it could be happening in a home that's in your neighborhood and you might never know about it. So just stay in the Holy Ghost, keep your feelers out, pray for our children and know that if a child is in any type of abusive situation, if you even suspect it, do whatever it is you have to do. Because I wish somebody, there were many, many times when my teachers would pull me to the side and start to ask me questions. And I lied because my mother literally trained me to lie. She told me, if DHR comes, you will then go into foster care here is what happens to little girls that get in foster care systems. And she would tell me about going from house to house and what horrible things would happen to me. And some of those things were happening in my own home, but I thought, well, if it happens among strangers, I'll never be able to escape. And so DHR did come and they did ask questions and I answered exactly how my mom told me to. So I almost wish that one of those adults would have been able to be brave and to take action and to see what was really going on and to investigate a little further. But I know that there were a lot of people praying for me. And to be honest, yeah, nobody came and snatched me out of the situation, but the prayers are what kept me through all of that time. So just pray. If there's nothing else you can do, just pray. Yeah, definitely. I think we have to realize that there is so much more power in prayer than we give it. There's so much to just calling on the name of Jesus on the behalf of a child. And I've been thinking about this lately, especially with what's going on in the world is, okay, so maybe we won't be able to raise our voices in person, or maybe we won't be able to do a lot of different things. But if we can just spiritually stand in the gap for somebody, 
that's way more powerful sometimes. And we don't understand how our prayers are going to be received or what they're going to do. God hears all of our prayers. And so we can't negate that. That is definitely going to be probably the biggest thing that we could do as far as being active in trying to change some things. And if we see something, we should speak up and we shouldn't feel fear, especially if we um, have a suspicion and we yes. are filled with the Holy Ghost. We do have that spiritual awareness. And I do feel like the Lord does prick that and yes. he does heighten that spirituality when something is wrong or we just don't feel right about someone or we just don't feel right about a situation. And, and I do think we should be careful and not just jump the gun. But I do think right. sometimes, sometimes when we do nothing, we are kind of aiding the abuser. If if you're, if you know, I mean, I don't want to say if you know for certain, but if you have a very strong suspicion, you know, just you are aiding Um, because I know there were situations in my life that there were adults that knew for a fact what was going on and they never did anything about it. But something else that I've been seeing lately that I really love and I feel like is going to make a dent in it or an impact is the big push on social media. You know, social media is a huge thing today. Mm -hmm. And I've been seeing a lot regarding child pornography and sex trafficking and keeping the innocence of our children and pushing against pedophilia in movies and media. And I love that. And so even like sharing a post on social media. And sometimes when I see those posts, it just, I, I don't want to see it. You know, it hurts. It sends off all kind of triggers for me, but I share it anyway, because I know the more that things like this are spread around, the more awareness that the country is going to have. And eventually something's going to have to be done about it. If the social media push keeps heading in this direction, because some of the things that I'm seeing are like, we're talking a lot about COVID, but we're not talking about the thousands and thousands of children, you know, and at some point that is going to affect the media and the news. And I would hope that from that, at least one life could be saved. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of us are just kind of sick and tired of the media being hush about things that actually matter. And this right now matters like our children do matter and not to be used as pawns just for political gain, but they actually are people and they matter. <laughs> just really protecting the children of social media and that they've been a big push with everybody really secular and in the church. And I think we need to continue doing that because the more pressure that we put on these people who are taking advantage of social media, the more we're going to see liberation, I think. Right. I agree with that. So what would you say to somebody right now who's listening, who maybe has had an experience like that, a violation in their past when they were a child and they're trying to live for God now, they're trying to restore their mental health. How would you encourage them? Wow. Um, So in my case, the trauma and neglect and abuse was so severe, at least to my mind and my person, that my mind developed a rare way of protecting me from these things and hiding these things from me and repressing these things from me. And when I was living in a place of working on the outward behaviors and just kind of working on the surface, trying to stay happy, trying to stay positive, switching every negative thought for a positive one, that's a good thing for most people. But in a lot of ways, I had created this false reality for myself that I was living in. And I didn't realize that your deepest pain is the entryway to your most authentic self. It's the entryway to your ministry and for the thing that God created you to do specifically. So if you're comparing yourself to other people and you're comparing what God wants for your life to what God has given somebody else, you have to stop and you have to realize that your deepest pain. So if you have pain that you feel like is so deep that it's on another level from everybody else you see around you, that can be good because that means that your ministry is going to be on another level as well. So I would encourage you to take time with God in your prayer to 
evaluate and to go into those things and to search those things and to allow some of those thoughts to come when you're in a place of prayer or when you're in the presence of a licensed professional and you're in a safe place and work through those traumas. Don't keep ignoring them. Yeah, that's good. And I think there is somebody who needs to hear that right now because I think it's just so important for us to understand that it's okay to take time for yourself in those areas. We're in such a busy nation. We're in the season of hustle, you know, hustle culture and uh, doing what you need to do and pushing through and all those things are good. And I do those things as well. But we have to recognize ourselves and when we need to just take some time to rest and to be still and to tap into those things that God wants us to heal from. Yes. So now thinking about the scope of your testimony and seeing where you are now, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned about God? The biggest thing that I've learned about God and it definitely feels like this was very recent <laughs> is that um, he is merciful and loving and we hear that a lot. So it sounds strange to say that that's the biggest thing that I've learned about God. So I heard that, but I never really knew it for myself because I was constantly perfecting my thoughts, perfecting my behaviors, trying to be good enough for God. And I was working, 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 to behave and present myself in a way that I thought looked apostolic. And the whole while, God is wanting to touch the places that are the most wounded. And God is wanting to help me to get in a place where I can sit still. And he can be that still, small voice. And he can come and he can heal me. So the biggest thing that I've learned is that he loves you no matter what. His mercy is absolutely endless. And if you look at my life and the outward manifestations that I have, you know, my relationships, my relationship with my child, my ministry, my home, whatever you look at, you can clearly see the mercies of God um, juxtaposed to my previous life or my testimony but for me, his mercy is on a level that is so deep that no one can see it because he has touched my mind and my spirit in a way that has been so healing. And every time I think, wow, I've come a really long way. God has healed me so much. He just does it again and he does it more and he does it on an even deeper level that I could never dream of. So he's very merciful. Mm hmm I think those of us who have come from just a totally different lifestyle, when we look back, just that mercy is so deep and so real. And it's something that we wish everybody could experience yes. in some way or another. So I want you to just take a minute to share how your life is right now, what God has been teaching you, especially about the subject of comparison. I know we've talked about that already a little bit here, but just share with us how you are, how your life is right now, what God is really doing in your life in this moment. On the subject of comparison, especially comparison runs so deep within us. I mean, we see it happening in the Bible. It happens today. And especially for women, it's almost just our first instinct to immediately compare ourselves as mothers, our mm -hmm. physical appearance. And we just compare, compare, compare all day long. And I think the enemy has used that a lot, you know, with Hollywood and media and all the images and magazines and billboards that we see, everything is pushing us in a direction to compare. But the best thing that I ever did in my life, and this was very recent, <laughs> was to stop comparing myself. I literally can stand here and say that I don't compare myself to anyone now. And if someone did, for some reason, try to compare me, it wouldn't even phase me. It wouldn't hurt me because I know the plans that God has for me. I know the relationship that I have with him. And so that's something that I learned is don't compare yourselves among yourselves. We hear that all the time, but sometimes you really have to go into the place of 
why do I compare? Why do I compare myself to this specific individual? Or use what I like to call your jealousy map. Why do I feel jealous towards her or him? Why do I feel jealous towards their life? Because sometimes that jealousy might be a way of God or yourself letting you know that there's something in their life that you want and you might have that desire because God put it in you. So I say, explore these things. Don't ignore. I rebuke that jealous thought. Yeah, that's great. But sometimes we need to just explore ourselves and don't be afraid of ourselves. Don't be afraid of going inward and why are you comparing yourself? And once I started looking at comparison in that way and answering those questions, I was for the first time in my life able to completely overcome it. And God delivered me from that. And um, as far as where my life is today, God just continues to pour out blessings in our life. You know, we recently got a baby. <laughs> as random as that is, that's something that every time I look at her, I'm like, I never, out of all the blessings you could have given me, I never thought you loved me this much to trust me with this blessing. You must really love me. And my, my son, Caleb, he is an amazing child. Even whenever I think of other children that have grown up in the same environment as him, I'm like, wow, he really is a great kid. Not just in comparison to my childhood, but in comparison to anyone, he is absolutely amazing and loving and it's just a privilege for him to not go through any of the hardships that I did my husband and I have a really great relationship we're constantly going inward and I know I keep saying that but we're going inward like hey we had a disagreement about this but why did we why did we disagree about this how do you feel about that and we're one of those couples that isn't afraid to sit there and hash it out. And because of that, our relationship and the way that we know each other intimately is on another level. And often I look at our relationship together and I'm like, we're going to be one of those people that never fall out of love. It's impossible for us to fall out of love and being able to have that is one of the biggest blessings in my life. And God has surrounded me with an amazing church and amazing church family. And I have every intention on starting a website, a blog, and a YouTube channel to talk about topics that are a lot like this, about growth and development. And I want to create these things for people that are like me, that there were days that I knew I needed to say the positive things. I knew I needed to smile even though I felt sad. I knew I needed to worship when I felt the spirit of heaviness or depression come over me, but I couldn't even get out of bed. I couldn't even think a positive thought. There was no option. And I mean that there was really no option. And I want to create things on the internet, on a blog, on YouTube that can help someone that is in a situation like that. They can read it or they can listen to it and to be able to inspire them maybe only to be able to get through that one day, but hopefully to inspire them to be able to start to do those things, to think those thoughts, to be positive and to work on their life and to be able to get to a place that they might even be able to have a better day or be happy that day when they never thought they could. And I would also love to help people do exactly what we've talked about, not only on the outside and have a better day and have a happier life, and follow their dreams and to help themselves and help God <laughs> weed those things out from the past and weed out that unforgiveness and that pain and that hurt so that they can actualize their potential and chase their dreams and achieve their goals. So hopefully in the near future that um, now that I've stated it publicly, maybe that'll <laughs> give me more inspiration to, um, to finish creating that blog and to create some videos and content on the internet like that for other people. There's also a couple of books in the making. So be on the lookout for those as well. Yeah. And I cannot wait. I know that this is just the beginning and that the Lord is just going to keep blessing you and opening doors and just giving you the right words to say and the right projects to just complete and bring forth. I think right now is just like a seasoning. He's seasoning you 
And then eventually you're going to just be able to bless us with all of this amazing flavor. I know that sounds really weird of a concept, but it's just something that came to my mind. You're in this season of just kind of growth yourself and learning, and eventually you are going to just bless other people and be able to share. And I cannot wait to see what is going to happen through your life and through your ministry. And just patience, thank you so much for being on the podcast, for being vulnerable with us. I know that this wasn't really easy for you and I truly love you and I know that God will use this to bless other people. I really appreciate you and I would love it if you would just share where everybody can find you on social media. Thank you so much for having me and I believe the same things and feel the same way about you. Um, So for now, you can find me on Instagram at patientscollins under slash or Facebook Patience Collins. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Patience. Thank you. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.